Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here with Dan Van Kirk. Yes. From Dumb People Town, and we've got Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. Adam Conover on the show this Hello. week. Hello. Good time in Dumb People Town, right? I mean, you like to make people smarter. When they finish watching your show That's what I and try to do. listen to your podcast, they try and be smarter. We are going to not be focusing on those people in this, <laughs> in this episode. No, but we are going to focus on possibly the greatest eyewitness to any one of our stories. Mulver. 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 The first story Mulver. has one of the greatest Dumb People Town characters everywhere ever and he didn't actually do anything wrong <laughs> check it out today's episode is brought to you by last rampage the new true crime film starring robert patrick heather graham and bruce davison and we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie my name is robert patrick i play gary tyson that's gary tyson with an i in the film last rampage evil broke loose in 1978, Arizona State Penitentiary. You know, that was interesting. What, what, what it was like playing a real person as opposed to a, a fictional character. It, it was really trying to wrap your head around how this guy could do some of the things that he could do. That was the, the things that you were drawn on. Of course, I, I, there was no way you're going to try to do an impersonation of a guy, nor was I going to try to, you know get as heavy as the guy. Uh, I didn't have enough time to really go that route. But I, I, you know, I found him really, really interested in trying to live up to the charisma that he had. I fell in love with the folklore of the story. Like, there, there, you know, the, the whole idea that he was a guy that was raised uh, during the Great Depression. See, that, from a historical point of view, those kind of stories resonate with me. That yearning for something better, trying to find it, have to steal to get it. How do you deal with that if you're a religious person? You know, how do you run underneath that? How do you justify it? He had a double life sentence that he began to push his wife and his kids to say, God, you know, I'm going to serve one term, and when I die, I'm going to serve another term in hell. Uh, I got to get out of this. And and the, 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 the link that he was willing to... Uh, go to to get his kids to help him get through this and get him out of prison was it was fascinating to me don't miss last rampage the true story of the prison break of gary tyson in theaters september 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order august 22nd find out more on twitter by following at last rampage film or on facebook.com slash last rampage film very special bonus episode of the x-files files i'm your host kumail nanjiani and here is emily gordon why are you laughing why are you laughing that you're just making the deadest of eye contact with <laughs> well, doing this. it's i read on a website that that's how you connect with people you look at them in their eyeballs yeah hi so Hello, this is emily refers to this podcast as the mistress the mistress podcast yeah yeah you, you and, because both you and i have a podcast together that's one yeah two, the indoor kids two we're married okay so three this is your mistress 
Because uh-huh. you spend a lot of time on this podcast. You, it you, take, I, I just started it. It takes work. Emily's like, what are you doing? Dinner? Working on the X-Files files? Yeah, you take it out to dinner sometimes. Uh, you know, you tell it it's beautiful. It gets mentioned in Entertainment Weekly. Congratulations on hey, that, you're way. beautiful, too. <laughs> hey, indoor kids is beautiful, too. I do it jokingly. I'm very happy you have a podcast. By the way, thank you so much time. for congratulating me on the Entertainment Weekly thing. <laughs> it means a lot thank coming you. from you. <laughs> Uh, can we date again with more sincerity this time? I think I did. I was pretty sincere. Okay. I think I was. Um, so our history is, obviously, we're married. We're married. And you, had you seen X-Files? I'd maybe seen one or two episodes. Do you want me to get into the whole thing? Why I, I, do you want me to talk about this now? Oh, the aliens thing? Yeah. I mean, we could, sure. I'll, ta- I'll, I'll very briefly. Well, 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 we should tell them that I got you the X-Files. Yes. Then. So then... So then yeah, talk about there's your a, First thing. off, there's a list of things that men in my life, men in my lives, men's in men my Men in life, my lives. Uh, have tried to get me into, uh, like, culturally. Uh, those things include reading The Watchmen, uh, watching The X-Files, playing bass. That's and anal. <laughs> <laughs> I've done. <laughs> I never got you into playing bass. No, you certainly didn't, Camille. My, you know, it hurts too much. Um, anyway. <laughs> How are you trying to play bass? I don't know. It doesn't work. Are you combining a couple of those? I might be combining a couple. But yeah, they're, uh, I feel like, and, and most I feel like kind of rock and rollish girls, uh, as I will, I guess, describe myself, uh, grow up having dudes try to get you into stuff that they're really into. And a lot of the stuff you are into, some of the stuff doesn't stick as much. I'd had other guys try to get me to watch The X-Files, but I have a phobia of aliens. So, yeah, and you've had this since your whole life. Uh, pretty much my whole life. Uh, convinced that I was abducted uh, when I was a child, just an overactive imagination. Really? Yeah. How? Well, because I watched um, Unsolved Mysteries. If I just hear the theme song now, I kind of lose it a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, I have a whole E.T. thing, but that's just a movie. Unsolved Mysteries was based in fact. Yes. Uh, and so they would do uh, episodes about uh, alien abductions, and they'd be like, you know, you don't even really know it when you've been abducted. You just... So you're like, I don't know it. Yeah. I must be abducted. I would set up little traps in my bedroom to, like, if an alien walked over them, that it would, like, trip a little trap, and then I would know. I like the logic that they're smart enough to do interstellar travel, but dumb enough to be thwarted by an eight year old girl's traps. Yeah, that's what we're going to use to catch them, Camille. <laughs> Good old American ingenuity. What were the traps? <laughs> uh, I remember there was a, a series of strings that I had set up. My sister had used this to trap the, the tooth fairy, and so I thought I could use this. How did she trap the tooth fairy? Well, she trapped my parents. She caught my, him? She caught my parents, and then my parents had to be like, hey, please don't tell your little sister. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So she made up a very elaborate story uh, about why um, why the tooth fairy was a little tiny lady that looked like a grandmother. Oh, man. Yeah, she had a... Anyway, back to aliens. Um, yeah, so I... Uh, set up an alien trap. I never did catch an alien, but I think once maybe the cat knocked over one of the things. And so then I was like, oh, so aliens are existing and they are abducting me. And that's very They scary. just look like my cat right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mama kitty. Are you okay? Yeah. Mama kitty. I didn't know about these alien traps. Yeah. These traps are not, they're just triggers. You're not going to trap the alien with it. You're just going to wake up. If the alien's taking that's you, true. wouldn't you want to not wake up? Wouldn't you? If you. I think this is the fundamental difference between you and I. Yeah. I just want to close my eyes and die. Yeah. Like, I'll just let it happen. Just yeah. close my eyes, let it happen. I would, when I would get scared, I would move, I would turn away from the door. Would you look at the door? <laughs> yes. I would turn away, like, whatever's coming, come and fucking do it. Oh my God, this is the fundamental difference between you and I. That in life. is so true. <laughs> 
Yeah. I turn and lean into it. Uh, not like that book by that Facebook CEO, but I do like, I want to see what's coming. I want to know. I want to be as aware as possible. You want to not be aware. No. Yeah. I wanted to take me. So, mm, okay. So um, when I thought I was being abducted by aliens, I just wanted to know. And I never got conclusive evidence, but I ever also never got evidence. Oh, that I you wasn't. never got conclusive evidence yeah. or any kind of evidence. No, I just got <laughs> Not even conclusive evidence. In fact, using the word evidence is a real slap in the face uh, to the word evidence. <laughs> Anyway, uh, anyway, so, so you um, you were very terrified of it. So aliens. I did not watch the X Files mainly because I knew of it as an alien show. And it is and I was half very of it. Of alien show, and alien. then I, one of the things I'm proudest of in my life, I got you into it by, and it was, it wasn't just like I was like, hey, let's just watch this. No, I got you into a specific episode, mm-hmm. then another specific episode. And you a started lot of, with non-alien episodes too. Yes, yeah. a bunch of non-alien ones, standalones in a row. Mm-hmm. And then I was like. Can I just start from the beginning? Yeah. And then uh, and then got you hooked. To me, you watch X-Files because the relationship between the two of them is so good and it's so crackly, the chemistry between the two of them. And that is tied with just the bizarre shit that they come up with. Yes. Yeah. And then you watched, I think, up until there's a very specific thing that happens. And then you sort of stopped watching around i think season three or so or we stopped watching together yeah we did it wasn't like i was like you continue i'll no, stay here we hit a point yeah where it's, it's a scully storyline do you know what i'm talking about we're yeah. not gonna say it no. where we stopped mm-hmm. i hope this time we can go see it through i think i hope we can see because you're gonna have me on like on a real episode this is a, a very special kind of this is just we're, we're reading letters that okay. you wonderful people have written us because you in our just in bed while we'll be lying in bed you'll be like oh my god listen to this letter someone wrote and we'll read it, would read it to me. And I was like, I feel like these should deserve to be their own episode. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Emily booked herself on my podcast. Good <laughs> <Didn't> anybody. <laughs> good. Uh, I'm really no, good at reading, though. You are going to do, I want you to do the season ender and okay. the next season opener. And then I want you to do the Dwayne Barry two-parter, which is, they're both alien ones. Is okay. that okay with you? I'll, yeah, I'm not as, now I'm like a grown-up. I can handle, I like watching like aliens. <laughs> I'm a grown-up. <laughs> I still, like, in Signs, uh, when you are watching the movie Signs, which has its good parts and bad parts, but when the, um, when there's a home video yeah. of a child's birthday party and you The good just parts of glimpse. Signs are called, uh, Unbreakable. Oh. <laughs> you were trying to find the name of it. It took you a while. I, was, I didn't want to say Sixth Sense. <laughs> you didn't? Even though that's a good movie. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. When you see the home video of the alien okay. walking by in the children's birthday party, I almost shit my pants in the theater. It was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen. But to be fair, you almost shit your pants oh, at the theater all the time. Constantly. Yeah. I don't want to get up and miss the movie. No, you don't want to. Better to have <laughs> shit in your pants. Um, all right. So you want to read the first letter that yeah. we got? Oh, and don't say the full name. Just say the first name and then a letter. Afterwards, it's the classy thing, and I've heard it on other things. All right, this is from uh, Randy P. Randy P., thanks for writing. Um, I just noticed when I was watching the first season how Mulder and Scully are holding their guns. I seem to recall that they always held their guns well away from their heads, but they're holding the guns in a typical Hollywood style, which is the gun next to their head. This is a big no-no, since a a flash from the muzzle of the gun when it is that close to the head can cause quite serious injuries. Someone must have found that out and let them know that the correct way to carry a gun. I'm still trying to find exactly... What when that happened in the series? All right, keep us posted, Randy P. Read the next part. Uh, also, so there's an episode we skipped called uh, the Jersey Devil. Jersey Devil. Also a note on the Jersey Devil episode. Certainly not is not a great episode, but this the one thing I did find interesting was the Scully subplot. 
She's being set up by someone, I can't remember who did the setting up, on a date with a nice man, but she ends up with Mulder by the end of the episode, sacrificing her personal life to help Mulder. This is certainly a sign of her being sucked into Mulder's world at the expense of her own personal life. So that's one, that's good. That's uh, Actually, a bunch of people emailed me with that specific, specific plot thing. point, so I just wanted to talk about that. Is yeah. it less that it's she's getting sucked into Mulder's life and more that she's getting sucked into her work? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very it. misogynist way of looking at it, Randy P. <laughs> I don't mean that way. I just mean it's not like Mulder's like, no, you have to come be with me on this thing that isn't no, authorized. No, I, I think he means so that it is Mulder's sort of weird quest, and it is a very personal thing for Mulder, and then she becomes invested yeah, in it. Yeah, becomes both of their quests. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she's just getting sucked into her job, which, you know, involves yeah. this. Okay, read the next In general, one. one of my favorite things of, like, Law & Order is when, like, one of the Law & Order detectives are on a date. One of they're called Law Law & Orders. Yeah, One of the Law & Orders is... One of the Law & Orders is on a date and gets pulled back in uh, on like a surprise case and to me it's always like um, can I just dress up for this episode? I just want to yeah. wear something pretty for this well, episode. Well, we saw one where it was Mariska, Mariska Hargitay is all dressed up the whole episode, and everyone's like, "You look beautiful." Yeah, and you know what? She fucking does. She's do you curse on your podcast? Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, I want to do a podcast that's just a montage of people, people on ask. podcasts asking, "Can you curse on this podcast?" <laughs> that's a really funny idea. You're very clever. What are you doing after this? <laughs> all right. Um, so you read the first one. Um, and then here, start reading. You can start reading here. This one is from Allie B. Uh, Kamel, your podcast is amazing. I started listening to it before I made the connection that you're on Silicon Valley, which I also love. Yay! Thanks for being in awesome in multiple forms of media. It's fun to hear that other people so enthusiastically are interested in the X Files. I didn't start watching until 1999. I was 11, and I totally was still the weird kid in the occult section of the bookstore. Me too, Allie. Uh, and I got into it after reading a novelization first. I think of Darkness Falls, which is along with Detour is one of my favorites. They made novelizations of X-Files episodes? Yes, because you watched it, and then they had novels of the episodes you've already watched. So there were some that weren't, you know, there were like new stories, but some were just the stories you've seen. You shouldn't make fun of it. You have novelizations of Gremlins too. Yeah, it's and part of my thing is that I collect novelizations of movies. I'm saying I would have probably yeah. collected these. Did you ever read any of them? Um, I read one, but it wasn't a novelization. It was a new story. New story. Some okay. sort of blood virus. That's interesting. Also, I don't own Gremlins 2. I have The Warriors Pretty in Pink, and I think maybe Gremlins 1. Yeah. <laughs> okay, back to Allie. I've heard the novelization of the Harry Potter movies is really good. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Just going to ignore that joke? Just going to ignore it. <laughs> Although I did do that. Do you remember uh, when we were going to the movies and we saw a kid reading one of the Lord of the Rings books? And I was like, hey, you know they made movies out of those. <laughs> did you do this to the kid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. He thought it was very funny. Back to Allie. Uh, when we last left Allie, she was thinking that uh, Darkness Falls, along with Detour, was one of her favorites. The idea of this menace hiding in the deep forest is way scarier to me than a murderous computer program or a serial killer who needs to eat human fat. Please talk about Too Shy when you get to that season and how it's 1995 and Mulder's solution is to send out an internet-wide alert not to meet a stranger from a listserv. <laughs> it's really funny. One of the aspects of the show I want to hear about from people who have started watching it when they were actually adults is how it treats working life. I saw Dana Scully was an important female scientist role model, and I recently got my PhD in bioengineering, so thanks, Gillian Anderson. Wait, so this person who was 11 and 99 already has their PhD in bioengineering? What, if we, what are we doing with our lives? I'm making this podcast, baby. Okay, great. I'm going to start a podcast about <laughs> the other lives I should have led. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. But she also ruined the working world for me, Dana Scully. I thought growing up that real jobs would be these life-defining, engrossing projects where you could meet your soulmate and do serious, important things if you were dedicated enough. And now I've experienced working with the government 
uh, for the government, and it's a little different. I did think about joining the FBI, but you need better eyesight than I have to be a field agent. Aw. Uh, I'm sure that Mulder and Scully not really dating or having friends or pets was a conscious choice by Chris Carter at Al, but did they feel uh, under, undeveloped to you as a result? Or did you go to work on Monday and think, man, I wish I had a partner in a basement office? Watching it as a tween or whatever, I was like, their lives are awesome, but they have this greater purpose. But rewatching it as an adult, I have no idea why Scully did on the, what Scully did on the weekends, or how she kept convincing herself that she'd be able to adopt all these troubled blonde toddler girls, or how she got that sweet apartment on like forty thousand a year plus med school debt. Uh, that's a really, really great point. Right. I think in general, television shows, and specifically this one, they really, really. All you're focused on is their life work, so you you get the impression that having a career is this like it does everything for all you, all consuming everything. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting because the last one the guy said about how he chooses her career over going on dates mm-hmm. with the guys and stuff, and that really is how it is. You don't Scully. There's some family life stuff. Mulder, not even that much yeah. of that. Mulder, like, the joke is that he's like kind of a freak. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Kind of a bit of a freak. But I don't think Dana ever goes on any other dates after this. And I feel like, and it's kind of true of like of Law and Order. Not, I don't mean to keep making parallels between Law and Order and X Files, but it is very true that you would every like four episodes would get like a glimpse into their home life. Oh yeah. And then they'd really cram it in. Yeah, we were talking about how they just had to like really accelerate their thing, so it'd be like, uh, "Hey, Stabler, how's your marriage? Oh, it's breaking down. I don't think things are going great. Anyway, Uh, how's it going? Well, I'm getting the kids this weekend. Oh, my kids having a lot of trouble at school. My kid's an alcoholic again. Yeah. Like when was it an alcoholic before? (laughs) How did this happen? Um. But I do think that's interesting. I it's I feel like X Files both inspired a lot of uh, people to go into a lot of women maybe to go into like kind of PhD professional careers. Yes. But maybe they're kind of discovering that that PhD professional career isn't the end all be all. Yeah. Well, nothing is. I mean, nothing ever is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's actually more letters about uh, that specific what, thing. About uh, well, just sort of Dana's character. Um, I'm on first name basis with her now, by the way. Dana's character. Dana's okay. character. Uh, the next one is from Taylor S, who says, "A simple email cannot express my gratitude for your podcast." Um, my best friend and I, both 25 years old, began watching The X-Files on Netflix last August and managed to watch all 202 episodes in nine weeks in unison with her living in Colorado and me living in Pennsylvania. Well, what I like is that obviously, hopefully the podcast is helping people rediscover the show, but it's mm-hmm. also introducing people to the show. Which is well, Which is not what these guys, you know, yeah. obviously found it on their own, but I'm just saying there are younger people who didn't, who weren't really aware of the show when it was first so out. So lucky for you and everyone that it's on Netflix. Eh? Yeah, it's great. Um, let's see. They would discuss it in depth via text as they watched watched each episode together in real time. So lovely. As we move through the series, we each compiled a list of our top 25 favorite episodes. Since then, we have not been able to stop talking about The X-Files. It's coming up on a year now, and I still rewatch episodes every single night. Now that you've started this podcast, it's given me another reason to start from the beginning. There aren't enough people in my life to discuss X-Files with, given that the show is now 20 years old. I've attempted to browbeat most of my friends into watching, but many feel overwhelmed by the 202-episode commitment. They don't know what they're missing. So I was elated when you announced you'd be doing this podcast. Um, let's see. Yeah. It's great. I, 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 it's, it's, it's fun to see like how uh, X-Files obviously was a very important show to me and how it is also important to a lot of other people. What is it about this show you think that people connect with it so hardcore? Like it seems like a lot of these stories, you're going to read more of them. Uh, people seem to have like this really personal connection to the show, uh, and not a lot of shows inspire that. Well, what do you think? You it, what, what do I, you think it is? Well, my theory is, and this show didn't do that this for me specifically because I started watching it too late. But I, as a kid, was very obsessed with the idea that there was something more mysterious going on behind 
Right. Like the surface that I saw. I grew up in a small town. I felt like a weirdo. This would have been a perfect show know, for you when really you were a little have. kid. I was just, my fear held me back. Yeah. Um, and so I was constantly looking for like a dark underbelly of my hometown. I constantly, there was like a gambling. Oh, you were a goth? Yeah, I was a goth kid. There was a, a gambling ring and like a clothing store in my hometown. And I became obsessed with that story because I just loved the idea that something was going on that I, I wasn't. Yes. That was like mysterious. Yes. So I think what this show does is it, 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 it confirms the idea that the world is mysterious. It's like, more interesting than you realize. Yeah. And I also think that when you're older, you learn that things aren't that mysterious and things are just kind of like, things are just what they are. And anything that can re-inspire that feeling of mystery in me, I'm yeah. all for. Okay. I'm 100% for. Very well said, Emily. Thank I you. knew you'd be a great guest on this podcast. <laughs> like the birds that are in our backyard. There's a bird's nest in our backyard. We just moved into a new house and they have two baby birds and, and Emily's obsessed, 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 obsessed. Nothing uh, nothing provides mystery for me more than animals. <laughs> okay. They're weird. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the next one. All right, so so this next letter is from Taylor N. Yes. Uh, hey, Kamel. First, I love the show. So glad I caught it from the start. A few months ago, I started rewatching the series and doing so much the way you are, picking my favorite episodes and focusing on those. I was about 17 when the X-Files premiered and totally remember the old internet news groups and so forth from that period. Wow. What a flashback when I hear you reading from them. Anyway, my brother and I got in with a local group called the Bay Area X-Files Encounter Group, Baxfeg. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Baxfeg. Uh, Oh, shit. We got to check your bags, Fag. And we would meet every Friday night or Sunday when it moved to Sundays at one member's house in Mountain View to hang out, eat snacks, socialize, and watch the show. I'm so jealous. Bags, Fag. Yeah, I love it. Um, some members would make their own X-Files music videos back in the day of having to use two VCRs and trying to time everything to the music. Wow. And I remember having to network like crazy to source third and fourth generation copies of each season's blooper reels. How did you get blooper reels back then? Uh, people, I know that people got them on eBay and stuff. Holy but shit. I don't know how, yeah. Uh, I, st I still haven't seen any of those. But Dan Harmon on his uh, episode said that that is how one of the... The blooper reels was part of the reason why the show got big because people saw like how much fun it was to sort of hang out on that set. That's amazing. Um, somehow, continuing Taylor N, somehow the marshmallow Peep became our mascot. That's for Baxfag. And during Peep season, we would often dare each other to eat them scorched or with various condiments. Despite Peeps and salsa, those were really memorable times. Some of us are still in touch and many of us have scattered a long way from the Bay Area. But every now and then, one of us shares a Baxfag memory. Baxfag. Oh. Has anybody taken Baxfag on Twitter? At Baxfag? I don't know. We should take it and sell it to these guys for thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. Uh, uh, see, so this is the thing. that Another sh thing that the show inspires is community for Absolutely. some reason. Like it inspires people to sort of get together and watch it and talk about it. Why do you think that happens, Emily? Because I think people want community. Okay, great. <laughs> Desperately. Uh, thank goodness it's coming back on Yahoo. No, I think... Uh, I think Starting with our generation and maybe like one or two generations before, we really were like kind of moving away from religion um, a bit more than our parents, at least uh, here in the States. And I feel like um, you still need a sense of community. You still need a ritual and you still need a thing. So that if you it gather. can't be, you know, church, it's can't be Jesus. It's, be it's X Files. Not to say that there aren't religious X Files fans. I bet there are. Of course. But that's what I think it is. All right. Let's read our next le letter from Jesse in Switzerland. When the X-Files first aired, I was too scared to watch. I watched, that's kind of me. I watched the first half of the first episode and never watched again. I relied on my twin brother to keep up with the show so I could talk with my friends about it. They were all fans. He'd describe stories and characters, and I never believed him, that there was a character called the Smoking Man. It's amazing to me that this person would just hear their twin talk about this show and yeah. like never watch and be like, no way, that didn't happen. That can't be real. 
I listened to the first three episodes of your podcast without watching the episodes and was transported back to those breakfasts as a 12-year-old where my twin brother would recap um, with a mouthful of mucilix. Oh, God, this is getting good. Um, I finally watched the X-Files for the first time. I started with Fallen Angel and Eve. When I heard the theme tune, I remembered how my brother would whistle it when he wanted to scare me. I love the episodes and really like listening to the podcast discussing them. Then I went back and watched the first two episodes, and now I've got to say you've made a fan of me. Um, Jesse, call your brother. Tell him the news. Yeah. I want to hear what your brother thinks about the fact that you're watching it now. Yeah. Brother's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, the thing is, if because if you're young, if there's someone your age who's exactly your age who's Literally, watching exactly, it, exactly, yeah. Wouldn't that make you want to be like brave and be like, oh, I can watch it then too? I guess not. I guess um, not. Let's reveal something about Kumail real quick. Hey, Kumail, can you whistle the theme song? I can't whistle anything. Kumail can't whistle. <laughs> Dustin's head has fallen off. <laughs> Just Sorry. Horrible sound. Um, all right, skip the next one. Okay. Um, the next one is from Keith A. Yes. No, the one after that. Yes, Keith A. Okay. Keith A says, I've really been enjoying the podcast so far. I'm one episode back, and so I just watched Squeeze, and I was struck by the self-determination the show gives Scully, even at this early stage. She really rejects at different points in the episode what her male counterparts want her to do and kind of strikes out on her own path. She delivers a traditional profile against Mulder, Mulder's wishes, but then rejects the demands of the more traditional agents and really finds her own place somewhere in the middle. One point that really got me was when they went to go investigate Toombs' lair, they find the passage through the wall, and Scully just kind of says, well, here I go, and descends unblinkingly into whatever lies beneath, not allowing or asking Mulder to go first. I had to quiet my internal, Scully, what are you doing? Let Mulder go first. But I definitely thought it. Anywho, great show. Keep it up. So, Scully, what do you think of the character of Scully, Emily? What do I think of Dana Scully? I think she's amazing. Yeah. She's an amazing, amazing character. She's totally badass. And even when the show does do this, where they put her in peril sometimes, even then it never feels really like she's in peril because she seems like she's got it. Yeah. She would have been a lovely role model for me as a a young girl, I think, uh, because she is badass and she's not... Uh, consumed with trying to hook up with guys, um, and she is consumed with. <laughs> you needed a role model that convinced you that it wasn't a good being consumed to ho- hook up with guys. Is that what you were doing? Yeah. You needed a role model that would, it would teach have been you. It nice not- to see that every female character you see in most shows, all they're thinking about is who they're going to date next. That's is all that they're... right? Yeah, yeah. Think about any sitcom, any television show, really. What huh. well, What were you watching, like? Say with the bell and shit? Yeah, just 90210? only Saved by the Bell on a constant <laughs> no. basis. I was so happy when they finally went to college. I was like, now we can grow up and start having sex. Sex. <laughs> intimating it. No, I watched a lot of different shows, and I watched, you know, good stuff, and I watched whatever crap was on, too. So but- are you saying Scully is rare, and that she's a female character on a TV show that isn't consumed with just wanting dates? Her romantic life, that's absolutely It's true. not like a major part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Even though the sexual tension between them... Absolutely there, but always unspoken. Uh, Let's read the next one. Next one is from Antonio. Uh, One of my most fond memories is a few summers ago when I would come home from work, rotate the couch 90 degrees so I didn't have to turn my head and watch (laughs) the X-Files on Netflix while eating Ben & Jerry's New York Super Fudge Chunk. Question. I have a question. Why why didn't you just leave the couch like that? Well, because he didn't want to turn his head. What? How? Why didn't you just leave it 90 degrees like that? Because people are coming to his house. It's probably in the way, you know? Oh, maybe he's lying down on the couch. That's what I'm picturing. Okay. I'm picturing a couch that's set up um, perpendicular to a television. Well, Antonio, please send us your floor plans. I need a floor plan. 
Um, anyway, that summer ended in sadness and the wonkiness of the final two seasons and my developing lactose intolerance, but I still love watching the entire series. <laughs> that story is a very sad ending. It is very sad. <laughs> On a double count. My uh, brother and his girlfriend at the time had me curate their watching the series, so naturally I suggested the best of Alien, the Alien Conspiracy episodes and the creepiest monsters of the week. Uh, this next one is fun. This one I think I'd write to you before, Emily. This is from Dan. Dear Mr. Nanjiani. First of all, my wife and I are some of the biggest X-Files fans alive. When we met several years ago, she was the only other person I'd met who owned every season on DVD and VHS. We would watch every episode twice in the next year and top it off with matching glow-under-blacklight X-Files tattoos. That's amazing. In a few months, we are going to have a son. His name is going to be Fox. Dan... You're killing me. Oh, we're doing it, he says, <laughs> as if responding to me. Um, <laughs> when we heard that this podcast was coming out, we were very excited. We really enjoy it and are looking forward to more episodes. Uh, there's more stuff, but we don't have to read that. I okay. just wanted to read that X-Files tattoo and the X-Files tattoo the kid and, Fox. Yeah, if they had a, a second kid, they better name it Scully. Scully's a fun first name. Scully is a fun first yeah. name. Fox works for dudes and dudettes, right? You better just hope that they don't get scoliosis. Okay. Yeah. Dustin all right. Left. Dustin left. Okay. Or, uh, if or, uh, or the other one, Small Fox. <laughs> you don't want to get well Small done. Fox. Yeah. Well done. All right. Great. Um, all right. You can skip the next one, Emily. Okay. So now we're going next with uh, Kyler. Is it Kyler? Uh, I'm just going to read bits from the next one because I'm going to skip around a little bit. Just okay. to Summer, Summer S. I'm going to read this next oh, one okay. from Summer S. Uh, this is someone who's a big fan of the show. They said... Um, among other things, the X-Files totally taught me what fanfic was. I still remember my favorite one and wish I could find it again. Mulder was in Oxford and Scully was in high school uh, there because her dad was stationed with the army in England and then they became friends. It, it was, was the, the sweetest. sweetest. Uh, question for you. What's yeah. the age difference of Mulder and Scully? I don't... Well, the, I think Mulder is like 29 or 30 and she's like 24. Hi, let's take a moment and think about the fact that both of them are younger than us. All right. All right. Continue. Um, I had so many other X-Files related stories, like telling people I was an angel because of that episode where the people had extra fingers and toes. In parentheses, I really do have extra toes. I would make up scars and tell people that my other fingers were cut off, and so were my angel wings. Anytime I got a mosquito bite, I would tell people that was where the aliens probed me when I was abducted. Oh, and the toys you talked about. I thought it was so weird and great that there were X-Files Barbie and Ken dolls. I had them, did not take them out of the box, and then a bee died in the box. I don't know how it got in there, but this was my favorite thing about the dolls. Hey, sounds like it's a case for Mulder and Scully. couple of things going on that I need to, I need to mention. Yes. One, um, I love that she would tell people that's where aliens probed her. Like She was like excited about it, and that, to me, was the scariest thing I could possibly yes. think about. Yes. I think that's amazing. Two, I, uh, a lot of people have the uh, angel wings tattooed on their back or the scars of where their angel wings were tattooed yeah. on their back. That's a big thing. You like that one. Also, that beatboxing, that would have killed me, too. Summer and I would be friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, read the next one, Emily. It's a long one, but I think it's interesting. Okay, and this is from Kyler, right? Yes. I think that's how to pronounce that name. C-U-Y-L-E-R. If you know a better way to pronounce it, uh, let us know. Y-L-E-R. I've only recently gotten into the X-Files thing, but once I did, I couldn't stop. When I was a kid, maybe eight years old, I walked into my parents' room to tell them goodnight, and they were watching a based-on-a-true-story movie about two twin girls that get abducted by the most terrifying, blotchy-skinned gray aliens you can imagine. These are the kinds that scare me, too. Yes. Um, I asked what they were watching. They told me that I wouldn't like it. And right at that instant, the girls get dragged aboard the UFO, caveman style by the pigtails, and start having things stuck up their nose 
a needle in the eye, a saw blade descended to one of their faces before a smash cut to one of them waking up in bed terrified. Something in my tiny brain snapped. From then until the time I was uh, 13, 1992 to 1997, roughly, I was terrified of being abducted and certain it would happen. This is you, Emily. For those five years, I ran on less than five hours of sleep a night. Every night when I could feel myself slipping into sleep, I would think that this was the sensation of the aliens lifting me out of my bed and I would snap awake. Oh, oh God, God, so scary. Too. Every morning I would wake up around three or four and keep myself awake with cartoons at the USA Network. Why cartoons at three or four in the morning, he asks, played. Namely, G.I. Joe and TMNT reruns. This span of time was so intense that even Roland Emmerich's Independence Day piece of crap movie scared me sleepless for a weekend, which is embarrassing having seen that movie since. The theme song to The X-Files, never having seen an episode, was enough to make me leave the room and try to distract myself, believing that if I felt too afraid, the aliens would use it like a tracking beam. Oh, like a fear-based tracking beam. Wouldn't they want to go to the people who are least scared? I don't know. I think that they feed on fear. They just want to fuck you. What? No, I'm, not like sure what, <laughs> I'm not sure what happened or when, but fast forward more than an entire decade, and my wife decides she wants to try it. My first thought is, fuck this, I'm out. So I make up an excuse not to be in the room. Come back in a couple hours, and she's still watching, so I would distract myself with my laptop. I have no idea how many episodes later, but it was the one with the mad scientist building sentient cockroaches or something, and I thought, this is what I've been afraid of? I started watching and was interested, but mostly indifferent. Don't say what it until is. Until a spoiler happened. Yeah. Then I was fucking hooked. I lost my job just that summer, so I would take the edge off job hunting with X-Files. Then slowly it became more X-Files and applications. Uh-oh. Within a month, I had watched the entire six seasons of the X-Files. The first the six. The first six seasons, sorry. And became the most paranoid person ever. I saw the conspiracies everywhere and even thought, yeah, an abduction might not be so bad. This we're going on a journey in this life. Yeah, this guy's into my it. My love for it, coupled with my real-life conspiracy hunting I engaged in, got so intense, I gave myself borderline, a borderline nervous breakdown. My love has mellowed into something less weird and destructive, but I definitely have the I Want to Believe poster on my wall and a miniature I Want to Believe patch sewn onto my favorite jacket. Recently had a baby, and if she was going to be a boy, we were going to name her Fox in order of Fox Mulder. Still could, you guys. Aww. I have no idea where I should end this. What am I, an episode of Harmontown? <laughs> but when I heard you were doing this podcast, I almost pooped myself. Um, um, and then the next one is from my friend Fred Buchan. Yes. It's time to stop and discuss this one. First off, this guy got some anxiety issues for sure. You think so? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I also did. Uh, Emer- it's funny, Independence Day did not frighten me. And um, Welcome to Earth. Yeah, but that scene where he, well, no, that doesn't matter. It's a bad movie. But uh, the fact that he still got obsessed with like, conspiracy theories for a period, that was just all job stressed. You don't have to worry about yeah. it. That was just job stress. You're putting on something else. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. It's okay. But it he got it, it got him into X-Files. It did. Something good happened. All right. Fred uh, B. I'm going to just read this. This okay. is my friend Fred Bukemai. I could say this. He sent us a graphic of public opinion on the trustiness, on the trustworthiness of the U.S. government from 1995, from, ni- from 1958 to 2008, okay? okay? From 1958 to 2008, the minimum trust that the people have in the government is 1994, which is the fourth season starts at the end of 1993. So I'm not saying x <laughs> contributes to that, but it certainly comes at a point where people are sort of mistrusting the government Absolutely. a little bit. So it's sort of indicative of that. Um, <laughs> a, a certain time. Look, 94 <laughs> is the lowest. Here's the thing. Uh, before that, highest? it's lower right at 1980, which I guess isn't Iran-Contra around there? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. Um, when is, uh, when's the highest period of trust? 60, 1964. That's interesting. Yeah, and then he, he has an analysis, I think, 
Um, the Iran-Contra scandal, he says, happened there. And I also know a lot of uh, right-wing anti-government paranoia and vitriol in the wake of the Ruby Ridge and Waco standoffs oh, yeah, early Waco. in the Clinton administration. The rise of militia culture occurred around the same time that the X-Files arrived okay. and later led to the Oklahoma City bombing. But it uh, really does seem like Americans were scrambling for an em- enemy in the wake of the Cold War. And there were plenty of conspiracy theories about FEMA or the UN or the causes of Gulf War syndrome. And a renewed fascination with the paranormal. That Remember Gulf War syndrome? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. It is true that after the Cold War, we were like did not have an enemy for a little while. Right. So to, I like, think that's interesting out. that it, this show yeah. sort of comes at the point where we're sort of really not trusting the government at all. Um, just a couple more. Uh, part of why I enjoy oh, this is this is an interesting point that I hadn't thought about with the show. Part of what I enjoy about this is from John A. Part of what I enjoy about the X-Files that is all the more relevant now and compared to modern cops as investigation shows is how real and lived in everything looks. There is none of that artificially bright lighting, high-tech gadgetry, or all-around glossy finish to it like one season CSI and its various clones. Mulder and Scully, even the FBI dress in off-the-rack suits, live in unglamorous apartments, work in crappy offices, and drive boring cars. You know, say, like real law enforcement does. I will say Scully's shoes are a real nightmare. <laughs> she's, she's is that right? Very sensible. Very sensible shoes. Like uh, chunky, chunky-heeled loafers. No, no good. No good. Their lives are dominated by a very demanding job, and they look at, even if they are rather sexy, this adds to the show and makes the sci-fi element seem more real and accessible and scarier. Eugene Toombs isn't sent to prison in a super high-tech all plastic cell. He's in the same garbage dump to keep all the other murderers, and that is the place he can escape. He might as well be, still be out there. That makes him creepier and terrifying. Uh, that is true. That uh, I feel like a lot of times prisoners are put in like where Loki is put or Magneto. <laughs> like they're in these like hyperbaric, bright white, uh, like completely oxygen deprived. Somehow, like it's they're amazing. These cells that they come up with for these guys. Um, all right, I think that's all the letters we're gonna read. Yeah, those uh, are some great letters. Yeah, did you like them? I did. I well, think I really like how people are connecting to both your show and to X Files. I think it's cool to hear about. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. Like, for me, you know, obviously x is my number one favorite show of all time. I still talk like a kid when I think of it. What are you saying, Emily? Why? You've been asking me why you, why I think people are... So well, that's why I think I'm reading these letters is sort of helping me articulate to myself why it's such an amazing show. One, for sci-fi and horror, at that time, there really wasn't a show like that. It came at a very specific point in my life. Like you said... I grew up in a big city, and you think of you know seeing these like things happening in like small parts of America and stuff. Like it just makes the world more mysterious. Um, the leads are really great. I just, I mean, I don't know. It really seems to inspire this kind of rabid like fandom and connections. And if I may say, I think maybe when you were watching it, you maybe were going through some questioning periods of your own life. <laughs> so you were still, and we're, I guess I started watching the show in Pakistan. You were still devout Muslim when you were watching the show. Yes. What did you think of it as being... Can we talk about this? Sure. Okay, so maybe start here. So you were still a devout... Like a... It's still... I feel bad. So your religious status when the show was coming out was devout Muslim. Yes. What did devout Muslim Kumail think about this? Young devout Muslim Kumail who'd never been to America. No, I mean... First of all, the first time I started watching it, somehow I thought that it was all based on true stories. So that made it more interesting. And I was into like UFO books and stuff. I talked about this in the first episode. But it's not like, I mean, if you're super religious, it's not like you think of that anytime you look at something. You know, when you're eating ice cream, you're not thinking about it necessarily. If so I it do wasn't say, like, I feel like Islam is one of those religions that you are thinking about it all the time. Well, you're supposed you to be. It. Okay, fair yes. enough. Yes. Fair enough. 
Yes. Um, I think I just liked it because it was sci-fi and horror and, and really, really well done. And every episode was completely different. And I don't know, the, the first T-shirt, I, I bought an X-Files T-shirt. That was one of my first like fan purchases. That's cool. Did you, you often talk about how you, um, weird things made you feel super uncomfortable when you were younger? That's right. Did the weirdness of the show make you feel uncomfortable? No, because it wasn't weird in that way. I mean, weird where it's like, you know, black humor, what like okay. made me uncomfortable. Like anything like John Waters stuff made me uncomfortable. I remember watching like Meet the Feebles, which is, which is a Peter Jackson puppet movie mm-hmm. that's super weird. That made me uncomfortable. Things that didn't fit perfectly into genres made me uncomfortable i don't know why that's interesting like now i love that stuff now i think that weird stuff is great but yeah yeah. okay well thank you so much for coming emily thank you uh are you excited about coming back and talking about the x-files guys i'm so excited about coming back i tried to get you to watch beyond the sea the other day and you didn't want to watch it it was really really good it was really scary i just had something else i was doing at the moment it's not that i don't love the show i just at that very moment had something i was doing since we just moved we have a lot of things to do yes unfortunately we do have a lot of things to do uh thank you so much uh please keep sending us emails i'll have you on emily if you'll come back uh, every few, you know, every couple months or so to do a bonus letters episode like this. And do I have anything to plug? Yes, I do. It's called the Indoor Kids <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Sounds familiar. It's the other podcast that uh, Kumail and I do together, and it comes out every Monday. You can look for it um, at Indoor Kids. Yeah. And I'm at the Dynamite on Twitter. Yes, and uh, follow uh, me at Kumail N. Mm-hmm. Follow us at X Files Files, and email me at thexfilesfiles at gmail.com. Much love. It's Jacques. It's Carl. It's Edgar. And we are your boys from Against the Grain. Check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to us or listen to us on your favorite podcasting app. We talk all the shit. We talk none of the shit. We talk a majority of the shit. You should check us out and listen. See just how much shit we really talk. Yeah, baby. Against the Grain.